First Timothy chapter 5 this morning. Let's go there together. I was thinking this morning, this is my 51st Mother's Day at Grace Church. It's been a blessing and um, to, to celebrate all of the godly influence of women, young and old, in my life. And thank you so much for determining to be together today in worship uh, as we have this necessary and unique uh, emphasis. Congratulations to the Best and Turkelson families and extended friends and family even who are here today joining us for worship. We're glad that you're here and uh, super glad that everything went so well yesterday. And, um, we're looking forward to gospel progress, partnering together uh, in the years ahead uh, with you folks uh, as we seek to um, be part of Jesus building his church together, both here and across our country and, and, and across the world. I want us to be in prayer. Uh, our church had one of our sweet matriarchs pass into the presence of God this past week, Marilyn Ennin. Um, I know many of you know her and remember her. We sent out an email as to her funeral arrangements, so I hope you receive that, and if you're able to attend, we'd love to see you there. Marilyn was um, just a tremendous, sweet influence in my life, clear back into my early um, middle school days here as we attended here with her children, and, and uh, she uh, lived her life faithfully never having had a, a faithful spouse by her side. Uh, and she persevered for decades um, in pursuit of a relationship with her God and gospel promotion through this church. And I think it's necessary to remember her this morning and thank the Lord for her life. Um, lived for Christ's sake among us. So uh, let's ask God's blessing upon the preaching of his word and give thanks for Marilyn's influence and we'll continue. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this opportunity we have to dedicate this portion of our worship to you anew and afresh. We pray, Lord, that your word, just even as it's read, would have its way in our hearts. And then, Lord, as it's taught and preached, I pray that both the mind and the heart would be influenced by the Spirit of God to understand its truth and to determine to live it as we leave this place, as the Old Testament Israelites did in Nehemiah chapter 8, after having heard the Word of God explained and taught and preached, they departed in the joy of the Lord. So help us, Lord, to leave more joyfully this morning than when we first arrived. We thank you, Lord, for the influence of all of our sweet older saints in our church. I thank you for Marilyn's influence upon my life. I thank you, Lord, for her sustained love and encouragement to me. And then in time, my own wife and my own children. We thank you, Lord, for receiving her into your presence. 
not allowing her suffering to be sustained. Thank you, Lord, that visually now you are the joy and the rejoicing of her heart. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our text is 1 Timothy chapter 5 and just the first two verses. It says, do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father, to the younger men as brothers, to older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters in all purity. We're going to, towards the end of our sermon this morning, come back to that text, but I would like to begin by saying thank you to all the ladies here, both all women, let's just say this, all ladies born again here, regardless of age, for allowing the Lord to use you here among our church family and in my life. I want to thank you for the countless unseen ways in which you minister to each other and to our whole body. It is the nature of godly ladies to nurture and and nest, so to speak, and what you do in your home so well and how that carries over to our body is, is eternally significant. Thank you for caring and providing and praying, teaching, and leading in ways that only you can do in this church. Thank you for your willingness to allow God's faithfulness to be demonstrated through you For faithful is he who has called you who will also bring it to pass. As Paul teaches in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Thank you ladies for being loyal to your Lord, your homes, and to the purpose of God in Christ Jesus here. Thank you for bearing up under the agony, situations, in your home and sometimes even in the church. Thank you for humbly enduring the glorious matters as well. Our church family members over 60 who walk with God, you stand uniquely and spiritually tall among us for so many reasons. As younger women listen and watch, they learn from you to to love their husbands, to love their children, to keep their homes, all while balancing the hundreds of necessary matters and issues, tasks attached to that kind of life. We understand that Jesus is your rock and your refuge, but you continue to be the anchors of the existence of younger ladies in our church as they endure the storms of life. Your simple and noble faithfulness is to be watched, admired, and mimicked. Please be encouraged that you are leaving a spiritual legacy here to these younger ladies. It'll be multi-generational in its influence, and it's one of eternal significance. Our homes embrace the gospel because of you, 
children are being saved in our homes because in part God is honoring your faithfulness here and he's answering your prayers here for our children. As our children are being nurtured in the admonition of the Lord, they're being reared to be gospel light bearers both here and, and throughout the world. I think that has a lot to do with 1 Timothy chapter 2 where Paul instructs Timothy that a, a woman would be saved through childbearing. Upon the foundation of your faith, the next generation of gospel preachers, teachers, and missionaries will come. Ladies, married or single, your service to the Lord, your love for this flock, your walk with God may seem so simple and mundane with all the world in comparison with all the world teaches us is, is significant. But know that you serve before an audience of one, our creator. And when the progress you'd love to see in your lives, your homes, your families, and your work seems so fleeting and insignificant. Remain faithful, for God is faithful. The wicked one would seek to tempt you to believe that your life and ministry in Christ is in vain and so simple and useless. But just remember whose lips that temptation comes from because the opposite is true. For he is the father of lies. For those who have watched me grow up here since four years old, just know that I've been watching you and I've been admiring God's work in you for decades. Many have loved me as mothers, younger gals, have loved me as sisters and both in very spiritual and practical ways. So thank you. Thank you. Now on into the introduction of our sermon. It should be noted by all believers that for, for a millennia of time, God, his word, and his true people have sought to extol and live the dignity of womanhood in exceptional ways as surrounding pagan cultures observe. The dignity of womanhood is first found in God's eternal decree, which included the creation of mankind. In the Old Testament, Moses wrote that God made man in his image, both male and female, Genesis 1:27 And men and women were created equally. Genesis chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 where Moses wrote, "This is the book of the generation of Adam when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God, male and female, he created them and he blessed them and named them one name, Adam. Man. Adam. For thousands of years after the fall of man into sin in the garden, most cultures denigrated 
women to be less of a person than man. They're still doing that today, aren't they? If you really believe that God made one human race and all humans are made in his image, both male and female, then I suppose the first issues of racism in cultures throughout history was the denigration of women from the exalted personage and position God gave them from creation forward. God, through the hand of Moses, grants an equal spiritual position in the home for women. In Old Testament times, they were to be equal in inheritance to their husband and partners in marriage, in addition, in addition to receiving honor from their children who lived in the Israelite community. And you remember the Decalogue, right? Children, honor your father and mother. Co-equal in spiritual person, co-equal in honor. Citizenries and cultures that surrounded God's elect nation in the Old Testament were known for objectifying women in the worst ways, in their homes and in city streets. Women were often stripped of their very personage in these times and in these towns. Women were pawns in the chess game of the life of men in most pagan cultures. Moving closer to Greek and Roman times, they were no different. Women, much like today, were just sex objects. You know the goddess, goddess says, of Diana and Aphrodite? We cannot take a deep dive into these two goddesses. <laughs> they certainly were just idols that represented um, some religious practices that were, uh, for the sake of the young ears in the auditorium this morning, uh, immoral at best. Women were prostituted in the name of worship unto these goddesses. Their God-intended dignity was publicly shamed in the worst ways, and yet all in the name of their religion. Since this was their approach to worship, we dare not think for a moment how women were treated outside of worship was much different. Yet standing in contrast to even these times was Jesus, who had come in the fullness of time. A creator, our creator, the creator of all mankind, modeled what it meant to exalt the dignity of womanhood. From the way he honored his mother to the countercultural choosing of women to be his disciples as well as men, Jesus continually gave equal and spiritual practical honor to women as he did men. Not only were these ladies followers and invited to worship and serve Jesus, but ladies like Susanna and Mary of Magdal, they labored, they had jobs, they worked to raise funds so Jesus, along with his band of 12, could go throughout Jerusalem and the regions beyond and preach the good news of the kingdom. Jesus equally consoles ladies' hearts when they grieve in his presence. You remember his friends in Bethany when Lazarus died? Their hearts were grieved and doubted. 
But Jesus consoled these ladies and grieved with them. And then all together, both men and women, they saw the glory of the Lord as Lazarus came forward from the grave. Jesus exalts the position of his mother even at his death. We know from Luke chapter 2 and verse 52 that Jesus grew up in wisdom and in favor and stature with all men. And even as a young boy, having been found to teach in the temple at 12 years old, and his parents lost track of him, he demonstrated tremendous respect to both his mother and his father as they came back to retrieve him and remind him that he probably shouldn't do that again for their own sanity's sake. But at his death, he looks down at the two standing at the foot of the cross and he says to John, John, behold your what? Behold your mother. We know a bit more now about what those words could have meant to John as he was a follower of Jesus and quite familiar with the exalted dignity of women as he was familiar with the Mosaic Code and Old Testament scriptures. I would like us to consider this though. As Jesus' own brothers would have been familiar with the Mosaic Code and its domestic realities, yet Jesus doesn't assign the care of his mother even to them. As they are yet unsaved, and unable to understand the, dignif the dignity, the dignified nature of womanhood, let alone what it truly meant to, to honor a mother. To me, what Jesus did by putting Mary into John's care was most exemplary, exemplary for her care was to be spiritual, not just practical. John was born again he would have a heightened understanding of the dignity of womanhood by the help of the Spirit of God. And Jesus would only have the best care for his mother. John would be the guy to love her as Jesus did. Women were among the first to reach Jesus' tomb the morning of his resurrection and were the first to be visited by Jesus in a post-resurrection appearance. Women were those gathered praying when the Spirit of God descended upon the saints in Jerusalem for the commencing of the church. Women would be among those praying for Peter's release from prison in the early chapters of Acts. The first woman to be formally called a disciple was Tabitha in Acts chapter 9. Luke mentions this dear lady for multiple reasons in his church history book, but suffice it to say, Women were not counted among the official followers of the Jewish religious leadership. But Jesus included them with equal spiritual status. And Luke does so by labeling Dorcas or Tabitha as a disciple of Jesus Christ. In Acts 17, Luke records the account of the beginning of the church of Thessalonica. In the early days of its beginning, God saved and used what the text says, what Luke says, were many prominent women to set the spiritual direction of that church. Paul records for us in Philippians chapter 4, his partnership in the gospel with two ladies. You remember Yodia and Syntyche, who 
he says, are partners in the gospel with him. And let's not forget whose home the church in Philippi began. Lydia. As a matter of fact, if you trace the gospel course to the whole Western world, one would have to admit that on the shoulders of Tabitha, Acts 9, and Lydia, Acts 16, the gospel came to the whole Western world through these two ladies. It's a profound study in gospel progress, if you'll take a moment to, to research it. Let's not forget Phoebe of Rome or Priscilla or Prisca of the same city. Both ladies served Christ in leading roles in the great church of Rome, and both their ministries are clearly noted by Paul and preserved for us in, in Scripture. Do you remember Peter's exaltation of womanhood in 1 Peter 3, 7? Husbands, dwell with your wives according to knowledge. Remember that? And give honor unto them as the physically weaker vessel. They're to be respected by being protected as physically weaker than men, but honored as co-heirs of the grace of life so that their prayers would not be hindered. The very feminine nature of women is exalted in this text. Husbands are to provide, to protect, and to carry the heavy loads of life for their wives who are spiritual queens in God's order in their home. God never said women can't provide or protect or carry heavy loads. They can. But in the first Peter 3 text, womanhood is to be exalted, revered, respected, and served in very regal ways. Because God created women and the royal place in which he's placed her is a glorified place. It's a dignified place. It's a holy place. It's a necessary place. So we move to the pastoral letters. We're familiar with First and Second Timothy and Titus, and these texts exalt the position of femininity and womanhood within the church as well. These divine roles women fulfill in the church We've already spent an hour in Sunday school giving thanks for those roles. Ladies in Ephesus and Crete, to which the pastorals were written to, made in God's image, are to bear and rear more image bearers. Ladies remain the primary conduit of the gospel of Jesus Christ to their children. Within the sanctity of their homes, ladies invest up to 12 hours a day with the help of the Holy Spirit shaping the futures of their children to be the most used of God for the purposes of Christ and the advancement of his gospel in our world. Folks, we all should admit, ladies do 80% of the child rearing. If they turn out bad, it's probably the dad's fault. If they turn out good, it's probably mom's fault. For those same saints Timothy oversaw in Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 to 33, 
It's explained to us for all these reasons and more. Husbands and children are to love and honor their wives and their mothers. Choose to love your wives, men, for God demonstrated through you would be a model of self-sacrifice to the highest level for everyone in your home. To love our wives is to set aside all self-interests to ensure the woman of our home can enjoy their exalted role in, in modeling love as well for your children as they seek to follow you. Men, you're to protect their time with God, Ephesians 5 tells us, for their time with God is as, as valuable as yours. And they're to be washed by the water of the word so that they can be presented holy and sanctified with the appearance of their Savior. As you do this one day, the Lord will present her among the body Jesus will bring us all before our creator. And there men, our wives, can be presented without blemish or spot before the Lord. Whatever you do to comfort and help your own existence, men, do to her first. Love your wives as you would love yourself, Paul teaches. He says in verse 33, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And for you bear the same image of God and your person and role is no more or less significant than the eternal purposes of God for your spouse and for any lady in our midst. So it's no surprise as we come back to 1 Timothy 5 that God wants us to know how to relate with ladies in the church with the dignity he's granted them from creation. As a matter of fact, 1 Timothy 5, verse 1 through chapter 6 and verse 21 is, is all about how to handle relationships in the church at just about every level. From older women and older men, younger women and younger men, to widows who are over 60, to young widows who are under 60, to those who are teaching falsehood or peddling falsehood in the church to those who are wealthy with resources in the church. Just about every angle of building relationships is mentioned in these verses. And it makes sense. It's a pastoral epistle. Paul writes so the church would know how to function and behave among one another, all for the gospel's sake. We've got to know how to relate well with each other. And the relating here is actually quite easily enjoyed if we comprehend what we've already heard this morning about the dignity God gives women in the church. Upon the foundation of what's been revealed to us about the exalted personage and dignity of women in the scriptures, we should have no problem treating older women as mothers and younger women as sisters with all purity. Proverbs 31.25 teaches of a godly lady, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. 
So I think it's good for us to remember that God at creation and then again at salvation elevates all ladies among us to spiritual sisters and mothers. Pastor Mike in the Sunday School Hour read Mark's account of when Jesus, his mother and his brothers came to find him. And they were pressing to call him out. And Jesus was alerted that they were there to find him and to call him out for his own protection or safety or their own personal reasons or whatever. And what did Jesus say? Matthew records the same thing in chapter 12, verses 46 to 50. He would recognize that they are his biological mom and siblings. But what does he say? He that does the will of my father, those are my mothers and my brothers and my sisters. So he elevates this certainly to a spiritual reality. But what we find here in these first two verses of 1 Timothy 5 is both spiritual and very practical. What's happening here in these two verses? Well, it's about maintaining relationships with various age groups in the church. We treat them, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, both spiritually and practically, and I want to explain that. But what's the, what's the context here? The context here, folks, in its immediate sense, is really about restoring relationships that have been divided. It's worth it for family to fight to maintenance family. That's the context. If you study all the issues that were in Ephesus that Paul addresses in Ephesians and in the pastorals, there were plenty. And these issues were causing people to, to just not like each other anymore. Right? I can remember uh, as a kid when I got out and got my first couple jobs, um, there were girls that worked at those jobs too. And uh, I grew up in a home where I just was re required of me not to date. So I would go to work and I would flip my burgers and fry my fries and be nice to customers. And I kind of had to do that with horse blinders on, right? But somehow, uh, those girls that worked there found out where I lived, what my phone number was without giving it to them. Uh, and they would come and they would drive down this long church driveway. The house I grew up in was over in that grassy empty spot now. And, and, and my mom would notice these cars coming just with girls in them. It, this is how freaky these people were, right? They would, they would come in and then they would sit in the church parking lot, right? And after noticing two in particular that did this often, my mom would come and say, Tim, do you, do you know these girls? I was just like, like Peter with Jesus, like I have no idea who they are, <laughs> right? Because I knew, I knew the wrath of mom to come. If I said, yeah, they're just kind of girls at work, she would never assume 
she would never assume, because she's mom, right? That there was any good motivation with that at all. So my mom would go out to the parking lot and she would knock on the window. She said, can I help you? We just want to see Tim. And she goes, yo, my mom got all church lady like at this point. You know this is a church parking lot. <laughs> right? Uh, so she, she dignified the church parking lot. And then, and then she just very much said, she goes, in our home, girls don't pursue boys. Boys pursue girls. And he's not allowed to do that at this particular time. So have a good evening. They, did, they didn't stop. Uh, they persisted to call the house. And uh, it was an interesting moment when my mom was the one to answer the phone. And so my mom and I went toe to toe. At that point, I was about 6'5", 215. And my mom was 5'9", doesn't matter whatever she was else. And, and she would look me in the eye. She would grab me by the shirt and pull her down pull me down to her face all right and she says we have an issue you're supposed to tell these girls the rules of our home some of you might think you had an abusive mom no she wasn't she was a great boy mom right, right? and then she said don't ever 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 forget who cooks your food <laughs> Tell them to stop coming. Tell them to stop calling. It's done. <sighs> that was a problem. That was a problem. We had some separation issues for a bit in our home over that kind of stuff. But she was my mom. And the Bible teaches me I'm to honor my mom and I'm to obey her at that point. And so I had to deal with her as a mother as she dealt with me as a son. And I had to wrestle myself. Thankfully, I knew Jesus back then and with the indwelling help of the Holy Spirit, I had to wrestle myself back to make sure that we were okay with each other. And we did. And it was forever worth it. I went toe-to-toe -to -toe with my sister there was just one guy that she kept dating in secret behind my parents' back. My parents found out and it caused a thing in her home. And I can remember my dad and my sister and my mom and my sister says, what are you doing? What are you doing? This guy is no good for you. And then she'd say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then she'd go find and date the guy again. And I would know. And I found her, I said, what are you doing? Right? At this point, it's pretty selfish. I'm just tired of the stress in the home. So like, I'm not, not, all, not very altruistic in my motive, but I was like, sis, come on. It's really not worth it, is it? And I went toe-to-toe -to -toe with my sister. Not just once, many times. And how many of you ever went toe-to-toe -to -toe with your moms or your sisters? Anybody? Come on. It's happened. It's part of life. 
It's part of life, isn't it? You know what, friends? To the spiritual moms and spiritual sisters in the church, guess what's part of life? Issues happen. Disagreements happen. How hard are we to fight to make sure those issues are addressed, cared for, taken care of, and put behind us? That's the context of this verse. Except Timothy's a young dude. He's a young pastor, probably 38 to 40 years old. And he's given a command here, Timothy, as you resolve issues in the church, especially with ladies, there are going to be older ladies who are going to take issue with you, Timothy. Respect them as your mother, both in Christ, and treat them as if you would your mother in your own home. You remember his relationship with Lois and Eunice, right? This is a spiritual and practical thing. And he calls them older women here. It's the same word used. It's one of the synonyms for pastor. Presbutero, elder. Treat them with dignity and respect. That's the verb. Don't sharply rebuke. And that verb goes for both older men and older women. But then there's another verb here. It says, appeal to him, appeal to her. And that's a word that's synonymous with a word we, we know is identified a title, a name for the Holy Spirit. Paraclete or paracletos. Call them alongside. Don't verbally abuse them. Don't accost them with your words. Don't be mean, Timothy, with these older ladies. They mean well. They may not have said the right thing the right way, but don't accost them. Call them alongside. For what reason? To fix the problem. Because the family of God's worth it. It's worth it. Why? Because the cause of God in Christ through the church is worth it. Spread of the gospel in our area, the spread of the gospel in our region, the spread of the gospel in our country, the spread of the gospel throughout the world where it is dependent on how we treat older women as mothers and younger women as sisters. With the older, we're just to respect them with honor. This is an imperative. And, and with the younger sisters, we're to call them alongside and be sons and daughters of comfort with them. But because Timothy was young and these ladies were younger, he adds a qualification here, which is certainly necessary. And certainly and unfortunately, many pastors have not lived out this qualification to their own shame. But he says, with the younger ladies, and treat them as sisters in all what? In all purity. In all purity. And you know what? When I talk to ladies at over 60 in this church, this may sound really odd to you. I know you're my spiritual moms. But right over your right shoulder, I picture my mom. When I talk to any lady my age or younger, 
I know this might sound really odd, and we've got things we've got to work out in each other's lives, conflict to be settled, because family's worth it for the cause of Christ. Over your right shoulder, I see my sister's face. Protecting dignity, protecting purity, all for a noble cause of honoring God in pursuit of the spread of the gospel together. I just had three words to lay over these two short verses, dignity, activity, and equity. Dignity, activity, and equity. Go back on your own time as we wrap up here. Take those three words and see where they fit in these two verses. And remember, ladies, and I know this might sound really strange for a Mother's Day message. Jesus told his disciples when he was sending them out, it's inevitable that offenses are going to come. Isn't that true? It's inevitable in the home, and it's inevitable in the church. But men, let's make sure if there's offenses between you and women in the church that they're handled with this kind of integrity because the family of God's worth it. Jesus in John 17 prayed for that kind of unity. He prayed for that. And you obeying this text... You are, living, you are a living answer to prayer to what he prayed in his high priestly, high, high priestly prayer in John 17. Right. To all of us, because Father's Day, hey, we could land back here and treating older men as fathers and younger men as brothers. It's inevitable that things are gonna happen. They happen all the time in every family, in every home, pretty much every day. Right? Let's fight to obey. Let's fight to love properly. And I think we'll do so if we understand the elevated position of women in our life. All right? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we love you. Thank you for the testimony that's to come in our baptism. We thank you, Lord, before we experience that, for the opportunity we have to just consider your word. And from Genesis to Revelation your heart for women and their role in our lives. And in our particular text this morning in this specific application, help us as men and as young men to make sure that we honor that dignified role of ladies in our lives, even to the application of restoring relationships over differences. Give us each wisdom to know how to do that each and every day of the week because that's how we maintain the unity the Spirit of God's given to us and that's how we enjoy arm in arm gospel progress together through this local church.